I'm Yasi Salik, and I'm the host of Bandsplain, a show where we explain cult bands and iconic artists by going deep into their histories and discographies. We're back with a brand new season at our brand new home, the Ringer Podcast Network, tackling a whole new batch of artists, from grunge gods to power pop pioneers to new metal legends, and many, many more. Listen to new episodes every Thursday, only on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm alright, thanks man. I feel like we're, we're at the final hurdle, but we're at the first hurdle. How are you? Really? Oh, that's interesting. What, just in relation to... Well, club men's club football has, has now stopped, basically. Mm. Top flight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're just about to embark on the World Cup. So It's funny because I'm filing like a last couple of pieces for the ringer before the tournament starts. And I also feel a sense of, it's not just an urgency. It's just like that thing when Leo Messi gets subbed off for PSG. And they're like, yeah, he's going to go straight and join the camp in the UAE. And he's going straight from that. He's going to arrive early this morning. Seven days till the World Cup begins. Wild, wild. Yeah, I know what you mean. Anyway, how are you? I'm great. Really good. Really good. I was in glorious, gorgeous Hamburg at the weekend. It's a friend's 60th. And so any excuse to be in Hamburg, really, that town is just, that town is trying to lure me in. I tell you that. It's really beautiful. Yeah. Definitely my favorite. It's my second city in Germany and one of my favorite in Europe, I have to say. It's a joy. Those who haven't checked it out, please uh, do pay a visit if you can. You're saying Hamburg is the sound of the sound summer. Sound of the summer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you didn't go to the ham, uh, you didn't go to the highest file sand housing here. I did not go. No, no, no. And it was uh, pretty raucous. It was. Well, actually, this is my main beef of the weekend, actually, was with Eintracht Braunschweig, Hansa Rostock, who, so basically, I mean, might as well just do this now. So the first three Bundes, uh, Bundesliga games on Saturday had um, 23 goals in it. In three games. And then Rostock beat Eintracht Braunschweig 1-0. I was just like, <laughs> you couldn't be cool. <laughs> or ironically, they could be cool, which is uh, cool. why they only didn't needed 1-0. But that was annoying because 
I was really up for there being like an over an average of like eight goals a game in the in the Swiss Bundesliga on Saturday, right, which right. would have been incredible. When I saw that Heidenheim were cooking, I knew it was something special. They got like, was it 5-4 they won? I think it was. When I saw that, I was like, man, this is... <laughs> Shit's getting real. But then again, everything was a bit wild. This weekend? It was very much, it was very much sort of last day of school before summer holidays vibes, actually. Yeah, or like, I don't know, like a weird... Across felt, the felt, leagues, Yeah, actually. people broke up for Christmas early. So everyone's a bit yes, like, it was oh, like this. it feels like yes. we only just come back from half term and now we're actually breaking up for Christmas. And it's a bit Break like... up for Christmas yeah. when everyone's allowed to wear their home clothes. I was yeah. like, whatever they like. Yeah, yeah. And everyone just comes in wearing all the wild stuff. Have you got any pieces that we need to plug? There's two, actually. There's two on the ringer I put up recently. I'm doing a kind of thing of like World Cup archetypes. So basically the types of things you see at every World Cup. So the group of death, the catfish, you know, the team that disappoints, the dark horse. So there's a bunch of those things up there up on the ringer. And I'm doing a couple more before the tournament starts. So just watch on ringer.com, Vortas Soccer. You'll find the pieces going up there. Uh, other bits of admin, Wright's House will go up. On Tuesday, it's the 100th episode of Wright's House, or it will be. Wow, so quick. We'll be back on Thursday, and then it'll go into World Cup schedule. So it's going to be a little bit different. The first two weeks, there'll be two Wright's Houses a week on the Wright's House feed, and Stadio will be going pretty regularly. And we might even get, like, I don't know, for the, the Ring of Derby, England versus USA, we might even get an American voice on the podcast. Who knows? Goodness me. Feels like we should do, just, uh, just to go hashtag both sides. <laughs> Fair and balanced. Rejecting the mainstream media narratives. Oh, listen. <laughs> Other bits of admin. Yeah, check the Stadio Actress Place on Spotify. And if you do listen to us on the podcast app that allows you to rate and review, please do so. Be very kind. And I think that's all the admin. So today we're going to round up some stuff, have a little bit of a look and see, see where everything's at. Mm. So let's get into it after this. Let's do it. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. We have to start Brentford. We have to start Brentford. Go for it. Yeah. I mean, my goodness, Manchester City won, Brentford two. No, more accurately, Manchester City won, Ivan Tony two. Because that is the narrative. We have to just talk about the that narrative. only because- You're such a narrative machine. I am a narrative machine. You the are. thing, the reason why this is such a big deal for so Brentford is the shock absorbers. You know, we've talked about the Premier League being a, a copycat league. Like when one team has a certain approach, the next team will see it successful and will go for it. Mm. And- the way that Fulham played against Manchester City, actually, you wrote this in the chat as well, they exposed, I think, a lack of imagination in some of Man City's attacking, right? Um, I, I think they did. Look, because Man City tried to overwhelm you with passing. Now, listen, full credit to them. The game against Fulham, they were down 10 men and the way they spaced the pitch was incredible, Man City. Full credit there. The way they did that against a, a Fulham team where they were a player down, that was really impressive. But also... There's something I think that Man City are not doing enough in these tight games, which is running at defenders as opposed to trying to pass through them. I'm not saying it's a vanity approach. I'm saying that the tried and tested Man City thing of like passing through a team, they're just being a bit too compact now for that. If you're really compact against City and you attack with, you counterattack with bravery, mm. you can get more joy. And I just think my one criticism of City at the weekend would be 
you should have been like offloading it and just running at players at speed you know, with, with a head of steam. So something like a Grealish, a Mahrez, uh, even a, even a Bernardo Silva. Bernardo Silva got a lot of joy when he ran at players and they mm. stopped doing it. And I was like, you're trying to pass too much where there's not gaps for it. So that was my thing. That was my one criticism, I would say. Yeah, and I, think, I think also Manchester City have changed slightly how they play this season with the addition of Haaland and we've seen that and it's worked really well in some cases but also with Fulham it was really interesting because you saw when Haaland comes on it kind mm. of like throws a spanner in the works with teams because that's such a big difference without Haaland on the pitch and Manchester City with Haaland on the pitch yeah. people do look for him a little bit more and it's great yes, in one yes. sense you know you wrote an amazing thing in the I don't know if you put it in did you tweet it or did you just put it in the group about Hall and not being an alien, he's just he's just a really 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 good footballer, and if you really work hard, to yeah, stop oh, him, oh, yeah, you can stop him. Right? Well, this is what I said, yeah, yeah, yeah sorry, yeah, I, said, I think it was. Um, I just replied to someone in one of the chats, but it's basically like, Holland is not an alien. He's an elite forward. Yeah, whose limits are only visible if you defend him as a team. And actually, the one concern I have, people going, oh, Haaland's unstoppable. No, actually, what you're doing is you're making excuses for yourself because you're not defending him as a system. So actually, what Brentford did really really well was have someone waiting when the ball drops. So you basically challenge him at the points where there is some issue. So for example, he doesn't have like a George Weah first touch. He's got a very good first touch, but it's still not a George Weah first touch. So you basically like, you get him just before he's about to make contact or when he's jumping, you catch him when he's off balance. Um, you cut out the flight path of the wingers passing. So for example, like De Bruyne, you'll get in the flight pass. It's hard of him to pick out the cross and you just cut off angles. And that's the thing. And you know, we saw that in the Bundesliga. Holland is an elite striker. And also you can stop him scoring an open play. You yeah. can stop him doing that. And I just think, and like, you know, City with this, it's interesting about this game now. The one thing Fulham didn't do against uh, City last week was a counterattack with bravery. And Brentford did that. And not, not knocking Fulham, I think, I think no, they didn't no. do it enough, in my opinion. They didn't do it enough. But what was so impressive about Brentford, and you saw them get joy in the end, they kept counterattacking. They kept breaking so, so well. Their substitutions were superb. They did it just the right time. Thomas Frank just knowing when to up the tempo, knowing when to trust people to take the game on. And actually quite brave substitutions, I think. Yeah. In attacking I thought, sense. I mean, really, I, really I thought brave. Brentford were completely faultless, to be honest. I think that they- I was they, so impressed, yeah. The yeah. fact that they, they knew that if they tried to play their way out through the middle of the park, they would get no joy and it would just essentially yes. be absorbing yeah. more pressure. So mm. using the strengths of their forwards and especially Tony, who is- you know, he's, he's a real physical presence, but he's also super dynamic. And I think it's something yes. that actually doesn't get a huge amount of credit for. Yeah. And you could see it with the, with the second goal yeah. where they broke, but just a third of their passes were, were down as like long passes. And that That's just helped them get out because they basically had an escape route. Yeah. It happens so often in the game. Like for example, when they went ahead and they went ahead pretty early, but it still felt like they deserved it in that opening passage of play. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. They've yeah. got at City a few times before the goal. And I think I, I said to you that it felt like that was the most desperate that I'd seen City play this season. You know, there was like mm. the there were like these periods in the box where everyone was going down and they were really they were really actively yeah, searching that was about for three, something. About, there was a period about three of them were like and, kind of And ma normally tumbling. what Man City have been so good at over the last few years is just being patient. The stuff around the box and like people going down and really searching for penalties felt a little bit like, why is this, this feels a little bit like they know that this is a slip up. Couldn't find the gaps. Yeah. Well, also think about the, the, the intelligence of what Brentford did. I thought Henry in particular, they broke out on the left really, really well. There's actually something funny with City as well, because Imeric Laporte 
getting hammered so often for not being quick. Looked really quick in this game. Yeah. I don't know why this man had juice in this game. But there were several times where it was almost like he was the last person back. Mm. So City were, they were ambitious in terms of their territory, I think. They really like occupied territory really well. You know, they have one player back and everyone else is in the final third almost. But it seemed like they weren't imaginative and mm. they felt a little bit one paced. But that's also what Brentford do to you. This is the thing. This is what Thomas Frank does. Like this is, how do I say this? Like if you look at this team and this season, so I've been looking at the, like the Premier League table because I'm always raving about the quality of the coach in the Premier League. This goes down as like a mini masterpiece. Like if you're looking at like coaching performances over the course of the season, this is going to go down as such an impressive one because if you look at the goals, you've got like a set piece, well not a set piece goal, but one that he beat them in the air mm-hmm. um, for the, the first goal, Tony, and the counter for the second. It's almost like, and if you see the goal that's successful, they try the same kind of thing like two or three times before mm. and it eventually works out and it works out deep into injury time. And that's so impressive. Like how many teams go at City for the full, what, 100 minutes? Because it's mean, like 10 act. Yeah, definitely. I mean, look, listen to this. City had 75% possession and created one big chance. Incredible. Brentford had 25% possession and created six big chances. Man City's like nicked it just on the XG, but six big chances, four big chances missed for Brentford. Unbelievable. Because they had that three on one at the end as well, yeah, yeah, remember? Yeah. And it was just like, it was yeah. actually really, really, it was pretty well played from Kevin De Bruyne. He didn't commit and I think he just... Yes. Defending on a counter is such a skill, isn't it? That's, that's unbelievable skill. Um, it, it, one, yeah, when they broke, I was just like, this just looks like a training drill. This is bizarre. <laughs> For City, hmm. it feels like they do have one of these results in them every now and again, or like one a season, maybe two. Feels like this year though, it feels, but there's, there's been something else. There's been games they've won, not just the Fulham game, but prior to well, that. Well, it's the two there's in the row, like the, two, the Fulham game and then this one I think is yeah, interesting. But yeah. it's, it's now looking like a trend, but even prior to the Fulham game, there were certain games you're looking at going, ah, like actually... And this is maybe credit to the opposition rather than like a knock on City, actually, because City did have 70% of the ball. It's something about the way, I just think the coaching has improved, Ryan. I just think that if you look now at the Premier League, every single week, pretty much, you've got exceptional minds coming at you. Mm. You know, Potter, De Zerbi, like this is Cooper. You've got, you got like brilliant coaches up and down the table and it's just going to happen. They catch, and I think Pep, games like this, he prefers other types of teams to play against because Brentford's the kind of game he looks on the fixture list. I don't think Pep would have been complacent. I think, I think Pep looks at this game and goes, this is a nasty run. Like right, Fulham yeah, Brentford sure. back to back is not, because they're teams that basically like, they unsettle you in certain ways. They unbalance you in certain ways. But yeah, anyway, huge, huge props to Brentford for this. I don't think the breaks come at a bad time for Man City. No, I agree. It wouldn't surprise me if they came out and won like literally every game for the rest of the season. Mm. Arsenal five points clear, but like, oh, Man City, Man City, and no, 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 I don't, I no, no, I think Arsenal can win this. Do you? Like, the quality of the coaching we're seeing is spectacular, and Arsenal are winning games they didn't win before. They simply didn't win certain games before. They just didn't. Like that game against Wolves is a classic example. Two goals from midfield in the last what thirty-five minutes, and the clincher. Arsenal two years ago don't get a clincher. They might go a goal up against Wolves and it's a late equaliser or they're hanging until like, you know, 1-0. They got a 2-0 win. They closed it out. They did. And they're attacking from a variety of areas. Their defence is solid. They're regulating the ball well at the back. They're controlling games. This Arsenal team is good enough to win the league. I don't see any, and the only thing that will stop them winning, I think there's an element of their belief involved now. If you're five points clear, 
you've got a little bit of time to play with. I think they should strengthen a little bit in midfield. Yeah, they I still need, think, they I need still a bit think, of strength, yeah. I still think they need a centre midfield signing. Um, there was talk of Kessier being floated around. I think they just leap on that if that's a thing. If Kessier is available, they leap on that. Absolutely. They don't need much, Arsenal. They don't need much to win the league. This is what it looks like. This is what a league need a bit campaign... But this is what a title winning campaign looks like. I mean, yeah. I mean, it is literally Arsenal's most successful start to a top flight season ever. And they're legit. They're absolutely legit. Yeah, I mean, they've kind of rode their luck a tiny bit on the weekend as well. There was that penalty decision that could have gone for Wolves. I think it was one of those, though, where the control was away from goal, which doesn't stop it being a foul. But I don't think Mm. Saliba would have got sent off, for example, because it was a deliberate, it was a a proper attempt to to play the ball like a tackle. Mm. But um, you know, who knows what happens if that if that goes as a penalty and then Wolves take the lead. But I still think Arsenal had enough to maybe... I mean, Arsenal were quite, not passive in that first half, but I think they weren't incredible. They were much better in the second half. But and also, I think maybe that would have maybe shocked them into life a little bit. I, I thought Wolves were quite bold, actually. Yeah. I like what they're doing, especially on the right. Some of the breaking, the countering was really, really good. Mm. Shifting the ball fast. And Lopetegui, I think now, this is the thing. This is the problem for clubs down the bottom. I don't think a Wolves team coached by Lopetegui is staying down there mm. too much longer. I think he will get goals out of them. And the thing I would say just quickly about City is and why Arsenal's chances are so good is that I have not seen the sustained level of disrespect towards City in terms of tactics that I've seen this season. If you look at the way that Newcastle went at them, Brighton yeah. went at them. This wasn't happening. This wasn't happening. Like those teams in the midsection of the Premier League when Newcastle's case third, remarkably with Eddie Howe doing what he's doing. I mean, yeah, they got their 1-0 you know, win over Chelsea on... Uh, right on the weekend which was and they were great value for it yeah it was a weird game this I thought because it kind of felt like I don't know it wasn't I'll put it this way it wasn't a thriller Graham Potter's been given a hard job than people realise yeah they've had a it's lot a of injuries job. Chelsea as well I mean they've, they've, yeah, but, a lot but of to it, be fair they did have the highest transfer spend in a window in the summer they, as well yeah this is, the, this is the problem though this is the problem it's a lot of ill-fitting parts so I think there's a the problem with them um, the Potter's had is that he made the Brighton job easier than it's been in years. And he stepped into the Chelsea job at one of the most difficult possible times. And I say there's a sympathy for him because it's, it's not easy. And I think the thing about Newcastle at this point is one they've been supremely good at this year is exposing tactical weaknesses mm. anywhere. You've got a weakness, they'll find it. They'll find a fault line. The one person I'm slightly um, concerned about, and I hope he kicks on, this sounds quite random thing to say, is actually Kai Havertz, actually. In a team where there are ill-fitting parts, he's one of the ones that struggles the most because I think he's so much a player where he's like an elite surgeon. Like you've got to, all the knives and everything's got to be laid out properly for him to operate. And if he goes into chaos, it doesn't work because he needs, he's a very specific player. Like I think he's astonishing. But if Havertz is struggling, it's often because the system around him is is not is, is broken. Mm. Like if he's going through a bad patch of form, it's more likely the team's or the structure's fault than his, if that makes sense. And seeing him out of sorts in the last kind of few games, I'm a bit like, ah, this is a Chelsea are having a bit of a tough one. Yeah, they need but to yeah. figure it out though, because they don't really have any yeah. wiggle room. No, no, they don't. They're eighth in the league. They're only two points ahead of Fulham. Mm. They've lost three straight. They've not, they've got what? No win in five in the league? Yeah. Yeah, there's uh, no six though. now, yeah. I think. Um, yeah, yeah. They've got enough depth there to be getting through these games. Mm. And I know they've had injuries and we've talked about this. Like, I mean, mm. Chilwell and James are the two that just completely transform how Chelsea play. Mm. And it's like we said with Spurs a little bit, you know, with, with Richarlison and Kulosevsky out, 
until recently, which will come on to Spurs. And we saw the difference that they made. That's a huge absence. Yeah, that was a huge absence for them. I, I find a lot of the Premier League really hard to figure out this season. It is such a tricky season in terms of mm. the way that everything's been structured or scheduled. You've got the World Cup in the middle. Um, there's a lot of transition at a lot of clubs. Yeah. I think something else is happening, which is that there's almost like, um, are we seeing a renegotiation of the natural order? Like directly beneath Man City and almost everyone else, Man City obviously because they got that consistency, the core of the squad, but beneath them, a lot more feels like it's up for grabs this year. A lot more. I think a lot of it is the coaching. I just think we've got this incredible influx of great managers and they've had time to work with their squads and we're seeing the fruit of their labours. Mm. Like we're seeing, the, we're seeing the Brighton project paying off now. And it's like, it's like um, if you invest well, you see exponential impact in the second and third years. You look at Arteta now, the growth from three years ago, yeah, yeah. it's unbelievable. It's astonishing. You That's look at what growth. Brighton have become. Brighton now are a job where there was a time when the Brighton job, only Potter can take them forward. And now you could maybe name, you could name 10 coaches now that could take charge of Brighton. They'd all be brilliant. You could, because they're that good. Because he's, got the infrastructure. He's the platform, the infrastructure, what he left there is unbelievable. And I think, obviously, Arsenal top and City second. You look below them. You look at those clubs, Liverpool, Chelsea, Spurs. I couldn't tell you where they're going to end up because they've got like good squads, good cause, and they're all being coached well at this mm. point. Even Liverpool now are resurgent. Nunez has started scoring. You can tell he's started scoring because the jokes are stopping. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, I agree. <laughs> hey, let's, let's, I'm really happy for him. But yeah, yeah let's, let's bounce around again. Should we go to Spurs? We're talking let's, about Spurs? let's talk about Spurs because uh, yeah. this game was, again, it was another one of those like the sensible Spurs fans that I follow. You know, there's a lot of like, why do we bother tweeting in the first half when actually we end up winning? Benton Court's giving it to us. Benton Court is giving it to us. Listen, we said before about more goals, more creativity in midfield. The man is delivering. Like, has he even been this prolific? This early in the season, I'm not sure. Like uh, he's really so. not from not opening from up the goals. It's been brilliant. Well, I love him as a player. I'm biased towards him. I've been biased from for years, so I'm, I'm really glad that he's getting his moment. Um, funny, funny thing about this game, and I have to sort of mention this. I don't want to be too critical, but I will say, Jesse Marsh is doing that thing where I think there's an element of look. Your team needs to have match control, right? It's got unbelievable talent. It's playing some fantastic football, but there's an element of you're too animated. You're too, I think there's an element, this, this post-match comment about, I feel like someone's ripped my heart out. It's just, everything's so extra. Leeds should be changed. The Leeds should change their name to Leeds Extra. Kicking every ball. You know, those like managers, like kicking every ball. It's like, here's the thing, that's emotionally exhausting. And I'm yeah. not saying everyone needs to be an Ancelotti, right? Having said that, if you look at like the most successful managers in the world and their pitch side demeanor, the ones that like, you know, obviously Pep is like, Pep can just, but he's bursting a blood vessel. But you look at like the Del Bosque and the and Ancelotti, there's something to be said for that. Not all the time, but every now and again, there's something to be said for being the calm in the middle of it. When you're 3-2 up against Spurs, look, it's not an easy place to be 3-2 through, through up. It's not easy. We're not saying it is. At the same time, there's like, there's got to be a happy medium. There's got to be something where not everything has to be an existential drama. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And that sounds, I mean, that sounds a bit harsh because I love how Leeds are playing. I love a lot of the football he's getting to play. I just think there needs to be an element of you need to steady the ship and that has to start with your own demeanour. Post-match as well, like, you know, ripped your heart out. Like, they weren't trying to... Look, these are, these, these are messages that people internalise that your players will hear that and it'll be like, 
we're not trying to be wild ones, right? We just need someone to come on and be a stopper. And actually, I wonder if this is a point where, in terms of Leeds bringing different players, you know, I'm always obsessed with the idea of bringing a player who's like a bit older, who doesn't play that many games, but just comes on and just like shuts the game down. I just wonder if there's an element of that that they need at certain points, because they've had these results that have gone either way in recent uh, weeks, where they've been spectacular to watch. But just for their own sake, and for the sake of like keeping points and staying up, they maybe need to look more at the kind of match control aspect of what they're doing. It's been a while anyway. since I can, like, Leeds are, are very much, uh, they're like the kind of most feeding gremlins after midnight vibe that I've had of a Premier League team for a little while. Because it all just gets a little <laughs> yeah. bit like, ah, uh, like, I thought you guys were fine. You know, it's just, I don't know. You look at like, there was a period where Brentford had that awful run last season. Mm. And Thomas Frank was so chill through, through all of it. Now, maybe there's a job yeah. security issue there. Maybe Thomas Frank knows that he's a little bit safer in his, in his job than Jesse Marsh would be. But post-match interviews, you know, like even this season, there was a, I can't remember which result it was recently, but, oh, it might have been the Forest game, actually. Mm. And he just said, wow, football's so cruel. So cruel. What a cruel sport kind of thing. But it was just so like, this is what it is. Yeah, this happens yes. sometimes. Or when they were on that awful run last season, and he, and he kept focusing on the performances and not the results. He was just like, you know, we're creating chances or, you know, our performances have been really good. The results aren't great, but that'll, you know, if the, I would rather the performances be good because that means the results will come or something like that. I'm paraphrasing, but it's very much that kind of, yeah, this is fine. Like you diffuse it. Yeah. You just yeah, take yeah, the yeah. noise out of it. Yeah. You and take the noise with something out. Like with the Spurs game, it was an amazing win for Spurs. But again, it showed that like there were a lot of Spurs fans in the first half of that game who were just like, this isn't good enough. And it's been a really mm. common thing that's run through a load of Spurs games this season Slow where they've just half. been like, this really isn't good enough with what we have. You saw like the difference Kulisevsky makes in the game. Yes. Wow. He was unbelievable. And basically, if you're Jesse Marsh afterwards, yeah, it's going to hurt like hell, but just say, yeah, this, this one hurts because actually we were in a pretty good place and maybe we should have done a little bit better. But in the day, it's Spurs, there are Champions League sides, you, you know, and we can be really, yeah. we can take these plus points out of it and we've got to be a little bit smart in the back, but blah, blah, blah. You know, there's no like, I don't know, man. It feels, it's almost like, uh, you know, chaos breeds chaos. Thank, exactly. It's just going full Freddie Mercury in the press conference afterwards. And you're just like, you know, you don't have to like, be belting out Barcelona. Sometimes it's just... Oh my God. Can you imagine if Jesse Marsh walked into the press conference and just started going, Barcelona. <laughs> I just think, I think, you know, he knows this. He's, you know, he's a smart, he's a smart, he's a smart man. I just think it's one of those ones where you can undo so much of the great work you're doing on the field and with the players tactically. Like look at the performances he's getting out of some of these players, especially the younger ones. Like some of you, like unbelievable. He's undoing, I think, a lot of the really good work that he's doing. You look at Frank Lampard, by example. Mm. Frank Lampard's an interesting one. Frank Lampard was saying a lot of things last year. He's maybe talking the team down or just creating a bit of chaos in some of the comments. He's not doing that so much. So even though Lampard actually has had a couple of like really quite bad results the last couple of weeks, mm. because there's less chatter around Everton, he's bought himself a period of grace. Like the, le the, the defeat to Everton, God, to Bournemouth, the defeat, Bournemouth, it's very concerning, right? It's mm. very concerning those defeats to, to Bournemouth. But because Lampard's demeanour and comments have not been too negative in that way, he's not creating that noise. Mm. And it's buying them like a few weeks of like silence because actually, you know, Everton are kind of in trouble. Really. Yeah, they actually um, are. They're, they're really kind of are. in trouble. Yeah. Slightly. But, but again, it's, 
it's because of the way he's talking or not talking. They're only a point ahead of Forrest now. Yeah. And Forrest, like, Forrest getting some good wins. This is the thing. This league is... I mean, quickly on Bournemouth before we move on. Do you hope... What do you think? Yeah, of course. Think they're Gary O'Neill so impressive. I mean, I think they should keep him. I'm not wild about... I love Bielsa, you know that, but I'm not wild about the Bielsa chat. I'm... I'm not either. You know, because... I, I, get, I have a lot of sympathy for Bournemouth here because it's a tough one. You're, you're in a situation where you want to stay up and the knee jerk, right? The knee, not just the knee jerk, that's not fair. The feeling would obviously be bring in a manager who has maybe like, you know, done more higher up the league or whatever. It may, I, I can get that argument. I see it and I'm sympathetic to it. At the same time, Gary O'Neill's got the trust of the players. They're playing with self-expression. They're playing with real intensity. You look at the pressure they put on for the second goal and the way they're just like crashing that box before they get that second goal in. They're playing with real intensity, right? Mm. And it's almost, it's not immediately broken at this point. Does that make sense? Right now, it's not Yeah, I mean, they'd broken. had that four, was it four in a, four in a row they lost, but they'd, they'd but the been signs, on such yeah, a good the, run before that, that. But the signs of it, yeah, but yeah. it's a tough one, isn't it? Um, I've got a lot of sympathy there because who would you bring in? that's substantially better. I'm not saying there's not a manager out there, but substantially better. Mm. Throw Valverde in there. <laughs> he's, he's got a job. <laughs> Nothing wrong with uh, sounding him out. <laughs> no, because it's a joke though. We always throw Valverde in the mix, don't we? We always mention him, even if he's employed or not. As beautiful as the South Coast is, I don't think anyone is leaving Bill Barra for it. No, that's true. There's teams that stay up through security and teams that stay up through playing their way out of trouble. And I think they're the, 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 the latter. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they're three points clear of the, the relegation zone at the moment, but this is the thing mm. about the Premier League at the moment from like Bournemouth, well, even Leicester down, there's seven points separating Leicester in 13th to Wolves. To be honest, in, West in Ham last. are kind of in a little bit of trouble. I think West Ham are if in a bit of trouble. Um, if we're being honest, like, I think that's not being talked about enough in terms of the quality they have, the investment in that squad. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Leicester have kind of got away with, not got away with it, but they've, there's not much noise around them now because they've, after their early season, just awful start. Mm. They've put on. They've put together a nice little run. Their direction of travel is pretty good, actually. I would say. Yeah, actually, speaking of Leicester, uh, Utilimans was uh, that's a hell of a save. Yeah, but you know what it was? He was like, what's that? He was like fifteen yards too close. He needs. Yeah, to be, that's true. Utilimans should take his penalties from thirty-five yards out, and I think he'd bang that, straight. You know what? That is actually an excellent shout. Yeah, it's too that close. Is- <laughs> It's just like, oh, oh, no, no, no. Get me further away. This isn't, I'm not going to, no, this isn't going to work. That's so funny. Um, have we covered everything? We spoke about, oh, Forest beat Palace 1-0 and Liverpool beating Southampton 3-1. Um, good yeah, results for good. both sides. That's a really good really result good. for Forest, um, mm. who I think uh, they're starting to tick along, Forest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you want to talk about Liverpool quick before we move on? Just a really good win for them. Uh, Darwin Nunez just adding goals now. And he's been impressive the last couple of games. He was really, I thought he was superb against Spurs, apart from like a couple of chances that he could have put away. But yeah, he's just finding his feet. And I'm really, really happy for him. And it's one of those, especially going to the World Cup. I mean, Uruguay, can I just say, (laughs) there's nobody, okay, look, this is the thing. I think it's safe to say, this is not a knock on Uruguay fans. There's not a single team in world football that has enjoyed facing Uruguay since that first World Cup. No one's enjoyed it. Nope. And they're going to enjoy it even less because Nunez is in goal-scoring form, Bentancur's scoring goals, and Araujo is back from injury. How about man? That man is, for those who don't follow this man's injury history, 
He's incredible, right? He's like, he's the guy that falls out of a treehouse, <laughs> breaks his forearm, and he's in school the next day. Like he's just, he's just indestructible. Well, he's not indestructible because he's always getting injured, but his recovery time is nothing less than superhuman. Yep. So really excited for Uruguay going into this tournament and really happy for Darwin Nunez going to this tournament with goals under his belt as well. I'm really excited for them and what they can do in this tournament, I've got to say. All right, so Sunday's games quickly. Can we give a big shout out to Unai Emery, who has won two oh, out yeah. of two against tricky opposition? Not going to lie. Really happy for him. Really happy for him. This result against the Zerbies, Brighton is massive. because Especially where Brighton started. Well, yeah, I mean, the thing is, Brighton really came out against Villa early on. And I think Brighton were a little bit lucky not to have a pen Unlucky, sorry, not to have a penalty on that Solly March, Luca Dina thing. <laughs> absolutely smashed him. And I can't figure out why it wasn't a penalty. But also, both the Brighton and Villa goals were a little bit like both fans could have screamed for fouls. Yeah, true, true. I loved uh, Danny Ings' finish, though, for the go-ahead. I love that. I love the feet. Me too. I love that. I loved it. His, his celebration was a little bit naughty after the penalty as well with just the, calm down. Can I actually, it's really funny, one thing you He's say. He's a little bit mischievous, Danny Ings. He is, but one thing I want to say very quickly before I forget is, what makes me laugh is every time we say Deserbi's Brighton, it's like you talk about like a famous like Italian director or something. It's like Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. It's like it's like <laughs> Deserbi's Brighton. <laughs> yeah, great win for Villa. Great win for Emery. Really happy. Yes. Can I say this is going to maybe slightly sadden Villa fans to hear this, but if Emery is there a few months earlier, do they sell Chukwemeka? Can you imagine what Emery would have maybe. done with him? Can you imagine, anyway, what he would have developed him into? Anyway. Wow, they just won a game against Brighton. You have to bring him down like I'm sorry. that. sorry. Wow. No, but I just think I'm really excited. I'm really, I'm really happy. Taketh away. I'm really happy for what, for him. The Okwankara. the fit. <laughs> I'm just really happy <laughs> to so fit mean. at Villa. Uh, and also, yeah, once we're talking about um, games on Sunday, United with a very good, Manchester United with a very good late win over Fulham. Yes. Garnacho doing work. First Premier League goal. Can I say, I love a one-two. His winning goal coming in off the flank and playing that one-two and coming into space for the finish. Awesome. Awesome. Celebrating, pointing the name on the back of the shirt with the main character energy we love to see. An academy player who's doing really exciting things. So like, really, really happy for him. Um, Cristiano Ronaldo was missing through quote-unquote illness. Goodness me. There are footballers who do their talking on the field and there are footballers who do their talking off the field. And he has unfortunately, for everyone concerned, evolved into the latter. Do you think Fulham were hard done by in this game? Because I think a lot of people thought that they were. I think they've put in two very good performances back to back in the Premier League and got no points. And that's unfortunate. But I think the overall trend for Fulham, they shouldn't be worried. They're playing I think they'll be fine, right? really good football. They're being gutsy. They should stay up. I'm excited for them. I think they'll stay up. I mean, they, yeah, yeah. they're ninth. They punch clear. Yeah, they punch clear. But if you look at like where people were thinking before. Yeah, no, totally. The season yeah, started, totally. which was unf again, that was unfair. That was unfair. The low expectations. There was still. some quite like, um, what's the word? Like glorious defeats over the weekend, you know? Yeah, there was a lot yeah. of that. Anyway. Uh, all right. So that's the Premier League. Yes. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes has arrived in IMAX. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. They stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom.
some of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Where do you want to go next? Let's do a quick jet round Europe quickly. A very quickly. Bundesliga? Jump yes. to Bundesliga. The story in the Bundesliga is that Freiburg will be second until like January the 20th minimum. Amazing. It's one of my games of the weekend. Beating yeah, Union 4-1. Uh, this, the first half of this game was absolutely wild. There were... Freiburg really took it to them. They did. gave it to them. A penalty after four minutes, which no one really saw or appealed for. It was a little handball. It was a high hand, though. Mm, it was it a was, high I mean, hand. I think it was correct by the letter of the yeah, law. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Uh, Vincenzo Grifo put it away, and then he got his second two minutes later. Lovely, lovely assist from Gregorich. He's 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 great, Gregor. Sorry, Gregorich. Yeah. I should say. Um, and then uh, Robin Knocker missed a penalty for Union after ten minutes. Um, hit the post, and then Diogo Leiter got sent off. This is all within the 20 minutes, by the way. I have so much sympathy for that red because he was actually slightly wide of goal yeah, and it wasn't the best shooting angle and it was just a foul. For me, it was just like, it's a foul. Foul and a yellow. And a penalty. Yeah. yeah, foul and a yellow, but a red felt so harsh. It really did. I th- uh, and then Grifo put the penalty away. Um, Grigorich got Freiburg's fourth in stoppage time at the end of the first half. So they were 4-0 up assist. at halftime. Yeah. Union down to 10 men. And the second half was kind of just pretty well managed from Freiburg. I'm really glad Union got the goal back. Yeah, they got a penalty with six minutes to go. Sven Mikkel got a penalty back. So there was what, what, one, two, three, four penalties in this game. Yeah. And um, I just think, go on. yeah, correct, sorry. I just think with Union, they're getting everyone's best game now. Uh, That's an element of that. Like people yeah. are really coming at them. I think that they always were, but I think now it's a different pressure. Plus they've got one of the older squads in the Bundesliga. So all of that, really, just the age of the squad, um, the thinness, and also they've played really fast teams. Like Leverkusen got one of the fastest players in the, in the Bundesliga, not the quickest, uh, in, in, in Musa Diaby. So they, they've had, they've faced real pace. So tired legs, real pace, and real intensity, an improving Leverkusen, a white-hot Freiburg. They got got. I mean, they've lost you know, two of the last three, but they've also just lost, you know, two of their last six since they lost to Bochum. The Bochum result was a weird one because I think it kind of just knocked them off their stride a little bit. Yeah, um, good time for a break then, isn't it? For them? I think it is a good time for a break. They were looking tired, but they're still fifth. Level on points with Eintracht Frankfurt, who uh, drew with uh, Mainz on the weekend. Uh, RB Leipzig beat Werder Bremen 2-1 and they're third. 
Freiburg will stay second until the first round of fixtures, at least, which is kind of wild still. Um, it's unreal. It is amazing. And the fact that, I mean, with Union as well, these are two sides who have had European campaigns and they're both through to the knockout stages. Freiburg get to rest as well. Yeah. Bit, and rest properly. Freiburg came top of their group in Europe mm. and just, the jo- I mean, we, I can't remember how many times we've said this on the podcast, but the job that Urs Fischer and the job that Christian Streich have done at both of those clubs is absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. Um, Four points behind Bayern, who um business-like against Schalke on the weekend. Freiburg's goal difference is plus eight and Bayern above them plus 36. That's what Freiburg are up against. That's what Union have been up against. It's a quick shout out for Gladbach who beat, uh, who beat Dortmund on Hell of a game. Friday. It was yeah. such a great game and Gladbach were massively, massively deserving of it. Uh, Dortmund are in a little bit of trouble, I think. They're so patchy. They were just really poor defensively on the weekend. Um, but also their attack is just so, there's no cohesion. Like, no. I mean, the, the Sebastian Haller, um mm. di- cancer diagnosis, we have to, that, that has to be caveated because I think he was such an important piece for them. Yeah, He was such an important piece for what they were trying to build. So, you know, huge sympathy for them in that sense. And obviously for him personally, I just think that the options in attack, 25 goals in 15 games is, is unacceptable for, for a team with those resources to not develop some kind of cohesion, attack and fluency on a consistent basis is, is it's not good enough. Mm. Uh, any other stuff in the Bundesliga you want to talk about or is that it? I just want to say, if, you know, Nico Kovac doing a nice job at Wolfsburg. He's ticking along nicely. Really well. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I would say. Just really happy for him. To be honest, Nico Kovac just needed a job where people weren't trying to fire him every week. This <laughs> 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 guy, man. <laughs> poor guy. Uh, <laughs> uh, also, a quick shout out for Jabby Alonso and Bayer Leverkusen, they beat Stuttgart 2-0 on the weekend. That's three straight really wins nice in the league. Playing some great football. That is a side that, even though they technically are, because they're only four points clear of the relegation spot, they've got away from danger very, very quickly. Yeah, I love him as a coach. I'm really happy for him. It wasn't this weekend. I think it was last week. He did the most amazing, just casual control on the touchline as well. In shoes. Just so swag. good. Every so often a manager does that. He's so cool. He looks so good as a manager. Yeah. Can we go to France? Quickly shout out Marseille who beat Monaco 3-2 with the, uh, in the 98th minute, a Saïd Kalasinac header won the game for Marseille uh, who basically should have been about 3-0 up in 15 minutes. It was like the ex-Arsenal boy missing sitters parade. Like Sanchez missed one. No, Tavash missed one. Missed one. Guendouzi missed one. He's doing well out there. He's doing well out there. He's doing well out there. I jokingly called Marseille Marsenal recently. Marsenal. (laughs) <laughs> um, do you think Tavares will come it's a Saliba thing isn't it like Saliba went away for like a couple of years and then like really came back and was brilliant do you think that Tavares will come back and have a, a strong impact I think so I mean I don't no reason I don't not, know but I I, I hope so because I think it's a good move for him away just it can be very difficult to move to a Premier League club especially if you're like I mean we've seen a number of players who have just moved who have come to big Premier League clubs and it's not really worked out straight away and they've gone to like flourish elsewhere. We've talked about fit before and also just there's a lot more. Sad thing is go on. The way Gwendoosie's playing now, he's actually quite good for us. <laughs> He'd be quite good for Arsenal. Yeah, but I think he also <laughs> just needed to he also needed yeah, to be a at a place club. where he could just wild out a little bit. Yeah, that's true, that's true, that's true. But yeah, good win for Marseille. Uh PSG beating Lugs there, five 0 as well. Nice goal for Renato Sanchez in this game. Lovely player. 
so PSG top, uh, Lons are second. They beat Clermont Foot on the weekend. Uh, Rennes are third. They beat Toulouse. Uh, Marseille in fourth with Lorient fifth. Uh, was there any other football this weekend? Oh, Serie A, I've got to say. Oh, Serie yeah, shit. A. We, oh my God, we forgot about Serie A. Wow, okay. Serie A, just got to say this very quickly. Okay, um, Napoli with a very good win over Udinese, a brilliant Udinese team, been really strong this year. Napoli flew out an early two-goal lead, which is what Napoli do. Uh, Ossiemen again, protagonist, just like in Tenet, He's the protagonist. So good. Uh, and Udinese pulling back two very good late goals. It's funny because Napoli could have been 4-0 up, actually. Um, but they've been brilliant and deservedly top. They're kind of in a class by themselves at the moment. Mm. Juventus with a big win over Lazio. Moise Kane with a couple. That's big for them. I'm and really Kostic happy for him. Superb. I'm happy for Kostic too. Yeah, yeah. Kostic looked brilliant. It you know was really funny. Since we said, uh, I bet he wishes he was still at Eintracht, he started to turn it on. He's started <laughs> to cook. Go, yeah, I exactly. think Philip Kostic listens to Stadio. He's just like, <laughs> you, oh my God, what honour. two dudes who live in Germany I think they could talk <laughs> about the Bundesliga it's just <laughs> like I'm going to show them I'm going to show them I'm having a great time that would be such an honour there are not many people I'd be happy to have listened to that at Philip Kostic um, so they were they were brilliant Juventus uh, Milan with a great late win against Fiorentina really important to keep hanging in there into beating Atalanta away that's big that's big 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 for them I've got to say this Adamolo Lookman this Penalty penalty technique there. Ever since that, like the Penenka that you didn't get, <laughs> ever since that, ever since the Penenka against West Ham, I think it was, when they bottomed the league by like six points, yep. he's been ripping it in the top corners, nice ripping it high. Ben Yedda Penenka in the Mar- uh, Monaco-Marseille game as well. Well, there's a ben low Yedda Penenka, knows. not my favourite. <laughs> but yeah, Serie A, again, just a great league to watch. Mourinho with the late red as well. Oh. So we've got our Serie A oh. bingo. Just, you know the Tom Hanks Green Mile meme? Uh. Uh, was it Mark Wallace sent us yeah, the tweet he's like hey guys like, look at this yeah, oh, I was just like uh, <laughs> drink it in yeah <laughs> it's so funny how people tag us in games they're like you should be watching this this is a Stadio thing you love words this. get my attention but you know those like memes with like the hair standing up yeah and it's just like Mourinho has been sent off it's just like oh, oh god you know like the words he wants to hear and it's like Marino sent off. I'm just like, oh, really? <laughs> Rome is so stop start though this year. Really stop start. Yeah, they Shame need the break as well. They were, they were, they were up for the um, needed a break league table. Yeah. Looks like Napoli and Milan are going to be the ones that really go at it this year though. Just in terms of uh, Milan's resilience. Mm. Yeah, I got, um, I got, <laughs> it was, um, someone sent me a message on Twitter. I didn't get back to them immediately because they, they, they said to me, oh, like Napoli and Arsenal basically if the two of them face off, who wins? Mm. And I was going to reply to him. I'm really sorry. I was going to reply and say, actually, this is an excellent question. I'm not going to answer in public. <laughs> because only folly lies there. But it was such a great question because both teams have been, maybe both teams are slightly afraid to believe what they could achieve this year. Like Napoli, I honestly think one of the major things that will stop them going as far as they can in either the league or Champions League, the only thing will be self-belief. They're good enough to win both, actually. They're good enough to win the Champions League. They are absolutely spectacular when they get on you like they do. And they've got a range of attack and talent. If we look at the kind of the break, the cutoff point to assess what they've done in Serie A this year, they've, they've been, for my money, the most exciting team. Not for my, I don't bet, but they've been the most exciting team in Europe, I would say, this year. Interesting. I've loved watching them. So, yeah. Just believe, believe Napoli fans, believe Napoli players, <laughs> Arsenal fans and players. That's it. Do you think that's, do you think that actually that's, let's, let's wrap on 
immoral. Immoral? I don't know. A word of it. I think that's probably the theme around a lot of Europe's top flights heading into the World Cup. It's belief. It is. There's a lot of, like, you think about it, Barcelona need to believe that they can win the league. Yep. Napoli need to believe that they can win the league. Um, and the Champions League. Yeah, definitely. Napoli win the Champions League. They can believe in it. They should. Why not? Why wouldn't? But like, it's really one of those ones. It's like when Valencia went on that amazing run, like the back-to-back, I think the back-to-back finals they went to. Was mm. it back-to-back? Yeah. 2000, 2001. They were good enough to do it. Like Atleti, I think they're in a position now. Atleti had that same thing where it's really, what gets you over the line is the knowledge that you will get those goals. I mean, listen, Lons are only five points behind PSG, you know? It's mathematically you know? possible, Booster. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Can you like, Freiburg are only four points behind Bayern. It's mathematically possible, Musa. All I'm asking, I, all I'm asking. It's belief. Are you, are you saying there's a chance? Gold, always believe in your soul. Listen. But that means, <laughs> oh, Man City are only five points behind Arsenal, though, which is like, I'd rather that, po- that point. That, do you know what? Like, this, is, this, is my, this is what I'm like as an Arsenal fan, right? That gap needs to be at least 15 points with like five games to go and I might and I might I just think what I'm saying is nothing's inevitable about the surges that these there's not an inevitable Manchester City surge do you know I say this as well you look at the World Cup right it's so interesting even the World Cup teams that we'll talk about the World Cup obviously more in subsequent podcasts but the it's so interesting and so strange how so many World Cup favourites have got the identifiable weakness Mm. And it actually seems to be the right back area for quite a few of these teams. You look at France, it's funny because we've got a surplus of right backs at England, but like more right backs. France, Brazil, Germany, all major weaknesses, the right back area. Like, and that's going into a tournament. It's so interesting because these key sides all have a thing where you're like, I can see them going out with the wrong matchup. Benjamin Pavard. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, thrown under the bus for no reason. Not at all. Listen. Listen. Oh my God, what did, what did he do to you? I do think there is something to be said though at this stage of the league campaign. If you look at the fact that the traditional front runners have shown severe weaknesses, right? Mm. Severe weaknesses in a way that we haven't seen before. There's no reason why an Arsenal can't go on and do it. There's no reason why <laughs> Napoli can't win the whole thing in Europe. That's all I'm saying. Dude, if, I, if Arsenal win the Premier League, I think I, think I, might, I, think I might just quit standing here actually. Andy Dufresne it. Ah, 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 ah. This is it. I'm out. I'm going to go and like, <laughs> you know, like David Squires' piece for The Guardian. I'm going to go and meet up with Gunnosaurus and Arsene at the end of the, end of the beach. I would cry. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, belief. Belief. Yes. World Cup preview on Thursday. Yes. It's not going to be a comedy. So much to talk about. So much. Um, there's, yeah, like Human Rights Watch published a 42-page report this morning, uh, which we're going to read mm. and go through as well. We're going to do our pre-World Cup podcast in full on Thursday. And, uh, and then the football will be here. So we will talk about the football and whatever goes on during the World Cup. Yes, we will. I feel like Lloyd Bridges in an airplane. <laughs> I do. <laughs> it's wild, like the kind of acceleration until the tournament. Um, it's not wild, but actually, I, I must say, I'm I'm encouraged by the quality of a lot of the conversations I'm seeing around this. The discourse has been 
Yeah, I said this really before, but I can't, I can't remember a time when the issues off the field have been so front and centre for a tournament like this or for something Even else. Bruno Fernandes coming up the other yeah. night with his comments about like the concern the players are paying attention yeah, to. Yeah, I mean, like, actually, we didn't even really mention it, but the Bundesliga yeah. fans have been protesting against the World Cup for a good while now. And uh, even Gladbach yeah. came out with a statement last week about how they will only post updates about players of theirs that are involved. Um, and how they don't support yeah. the World Cup. And it's, I think, Roma fans this weekend as well uh, mm. did a boycott Qatar banner as well. So there's been stuff around. Yeah. I think actually, like, and just very quickly before we bounce, Bundesliga fans don't get enough credit for oh, some of the, the most socially conscious respect. fans in, in, in the league. Well, in the world, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, definitely. Huge respect for that. Don't forget to check the ringer.com forward slash soccer. Check Wright's house on Tuesday. We'll be back on Thursday. Don't forget to check the Stanley Archers plays on Spotify. Speaking of which, we're playing out on the unreleased dub of one of Walk On Air by Holy Ghost Inc. Anything you want to add, Musa Kwonga? Nothing further. I've caused quite enough trouble today, Your Honour. <laughs> yes, you have. <laughs> All right, much love, everyone. Have a good week. We'll be back with you on Thursday. See you then. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. 
My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side by side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.